What's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, typically it's 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 on Luke, uh, you know, one and two, or Matthew one. But uh, tonight we're going to go ahead and do uh, Isaiah. And so um, I want to start off with a little story, though. Um, it, it was something. Uh, there was a um, an article, actually, a picture in the most popular uh, periodical in America, the uh, the Wall Street Journal. And it had a, a picture denoting the conflict between Christmas, so the secular Christmas, and the real Christmas. The, the, it's about Jesus' birth. And so what had happened, what they show in the picture is they show uh, Santa sitting on the throne with a bunch of gifts and wrapping paper and all the, the to-do about Christmas. And then they have a small manger close to his feet. So um, it shows that, you know, ultimately the world, the secular world, is, is, is winning out the, um, the, the message, or the, the, the message is going out, the message of Christmas. Well, um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of churches um, are, are following, following suit. A lot of believers, people who claim to have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, follow suit. And, and in many ways, um, I, you know, I find myself guilty of that at times. I, I lose the, the sight of, of what... Uh, of what it's about, and so it's that's why we have God's word here to, to remind us, and so and that's why we're here tonight to talk about it. So, um, Isaiah uh, chapter nine is what we're going to be looking at. But let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you, and we just thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace that you've shown us, and Lord, we thank you that, that you are the reason for the season. Um, Lord, you, uh, you 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 bought us, and and you saved us, and. You have us all here tonight, and it's not by accident, Lord. And so we just thank you, Lord, that we can gather here uh, together, Lord, and to, to just to look into your word and, and have you teach us. Lord, uh, I just pray that you would use me and just speak through through me, Lord, just as a vessel and uh, nothing of my own. Lord, I just love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. So um, tonight we'll be looking at uh, Isaiah, verses 9, 6, and 7. And so... Um, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. So, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So God is doing this. So um, so as we've you know been preparing ourselves over the, the past month, you know, for, for Christmas and, you know, maybe some, it's been months, you know, but uh, the Christmas season should be a time of celebration and good tidings and, uh, and, and the good news of Jesus, who's our Savior. And the... Uh, 
you know, Jesus was born. He was born to save. Uh, he was born in, in basically in a sin-bound, broken world. They were under the old covenant. And so, the, uh, you know, when, when Jesus came, uh, God, uh, it's, it's up to us now to contemplate on, on God and uh, contemplate Christ. And so every time we, we gather, every time that we, we study, and we put ourselves um, in, in a place where, where we're focusing. Um, we need to really contemplate on Jesus. So, um, and, and we focus really on the light of his glory for us. So here in chapter 9, uh, verses 6 and 7, um, the words here, they move us to contemplate Jesus. To, they, and, and to contemplate the, the Christ of Christmas is, is really what, uh, what it is. So, um, and again, he's the real reason for the season. And so, um, when we look here, the, the prophet tells us uh, that the first, the first thing we need to understand in verse uh, 6 and 7, that the prophecy is about Christ. And now, the prophet, he anticipated Christ, um, speaking of Isaiah. And so, he wrote about him in Isaiah, which was, um, you know, in the book of Isaiah. And so, when we look at the, the Isaiah itself as a whole, um, it's divided. You'll find that there's 66 chapters in Isaiah. Uh, the, uh, the first 39 um, are themed after God's judgment, and then the second 39 are themed after uh, God's salvation. And so it sounds very similar to the Bible. So the Bible has the 39 books of the Old Testament and has the 27 books of the New Testament. And that's why Isaiah has um, often been referred to as a mini Bible. And uh, the uh, Isaiah has uh, so many prophecies, has more prophecies concerning Christ than any of all of the other prophets uh, in the Old Testament. So the... Uh, what uh, Isaiah wrote here for us was uh, written over 700 years before Jesus was born. So when we look at the, uh, in the book of Isaiah, we see uh, in verse 6, the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, and then in, that was in Isaiah 6. And then in Isaiah 61, we see that Christ is called the Messiah. And then in Isaiah 7, we see his virgin birth foretold. In Isaiah 11, uh, we see that uh, being a Nazarene is foretold. In Isaiah 67, uh, we are, uh, rather 61, we're told that his public ministry. Um, in Isaiah 9, his ministry in Galilee is foretold. In Isaiah 53, his sufferings and sacrifice, sacrificial death. Isaiah 63 is about his, uh, his coming, and his, uh, there his second coming is foretold as well. In Isaiah 66, the judgment of humanity uh, is foretold. And then in Isaiah 9 and 11, the rule and the reign of King Jesus on the earth is also foretold. And this is the reason why um, Isaiah has often also been referred to as well as is uh, the fifth gospel, because it testifies of Jesus right there along with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So um, the... Uh, here in these uh, verses, uh, we see about the birth of Christ. So he writes, For unto us a, a child is born, a son is given. And so when we look at those, those words sound exactly like the original Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, when the angel appeared to the shepherds there in Bethlehem. And we read, and he said, uh, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news, great joy, 
that will be for all the people listening. For unto you is born, and that's Isaiah, a child is born, and that's Isaiah 9, 6. So, um, for unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Um, he, Isaiah wrote these words 700 years um, prior to the, the, the birth of, of Jesus. So, um, that prophecy was fulfilled. And not only does Isaiah 6 and 7 speak to us about the birth of Christ, but it also speaks to us about the reign of Christ. Um, again, Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forever forward and even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this now these words uh, again we're looking these are, are written in the past about the future so they're written in the DC um, um, and, and they look forward into to, uh, written in BC rather looking forward into AD and they talk about looking at the uh, future return and the reign of Christ um, on the earth and it's also been referred to um, in chapter verse 7 the, uh, the thousand year reign of Christ and that's the same one that we read about in Revelation chapter 20 so as we look at these verses the um, they move us to number one, verse six reminds us about his coming, um, the first coming of Christ. And then it moves us secondly to prepare, it prepares us to uh, look to his second coming. So this scripture here is, it's, it's about the past and the future. And um, so uh, this, in, in this scripture, again, it, the other doctrine that is brought up here is the incarnation. So, um, verse six and seven, that theme of the, uh, the incarnation is there. And so, um, and it's right here, um, in verse six again, uh, for it says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. And, uh, the first part of the statement here, um, in the incarnation, uh, Isaiah is highlighting the humanity of Christ. And so, seeing that he was, uh, being human, Christ was born being human. Um, and it says that Christ was born, a child is born, the birth of Jesus, both, it was both miraculous and physical. And it was miraculous because Jesus was born of a virgin. And that's not uh, natural at all. It's a supernatural, it, it's a miracle, and that's a miraculous birth. And so, um, Isaiah in, uh, in, in chapter 7, verse 14, he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. And so, uh, when we look at, uh, again, uh, Matthew chapter 1 and Luke 1 and 2, that is the historical, the true historical account of the virgin birth and, uh, and Jesus the Messiah. And so, when we uh, listen, uh, Luke, the author of the gospel, he tells us that Christmas, the Christmas story is about the virgin birth. Um, and it was not, uh, you know, when we listen to Luke uh, and, and read his, uh, his history, um, we see that he was, uh, he was a man of science and uh, he was actually a medical doctor. So we have in the, uh, the historical account, we have a, a medical doctor talking about the, 
the actual, uh, you know, virgin birth. So um, today that would be uh, unheard of. So you wouldn't have, uh, uh, there wouldn't be many doctors to, <laughs> to stand up and say that, or much less write an account. So the, uh, <clears throat> the you know, again, looking at his, his birth, it was a, it was a miracle, and it was also um, physical. So Jesus um, was born fully human. He was a fully human baby, and he was born to a fully human uh, woman. And so um, this makes his birth physical. So he was not a mere spirit, and he was not a ghost. He, um, he was a, a visible um, audible and, and he was tangible. So, uh, Jesus said in Luke 24, 37 to those around him, he said, look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself touch me and, uh, and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And this is what Christmas is all about. It's about the physical incarnation of God coming to save uh, humanity. So being born into um, this this earth becoming one of us, and so um, when uh, so again going back, to, this is what Christmas is all about. It's a child being born, but when we look at it again Isaiah, he goes on to say that a, a son was given. So the first half, a child being born, is the humanity, and then the second half. Um, uh, highlights the deity of Christ, which is a son is given. So when you see a human child being born, but it also says the son was given, Christ was given, a son is given. The Bible teaches us that God is a triune uh, God, and that means that he is one God eternally existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's uh, God the Son becoming the uh, becoming human is uh, is the actual uh, doctrine of the incarnation. So um, incarnation simply means flesh. That's God becoming flesh. And again, Isaiah uh, said in seven fourteen, the prophet uh, he called Jesus the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnation. And so it's God becoming flesh. And so when we look at the incarnation, that's another, um, that's one of the mysterious truths of the Christian faith that, um, we as, uh, finite beings will never truly be able to, to wrap our mind around. Um, Paul actually wrote in 1 Timothy 3.16, he confessed here, and without great controversy, uh, or without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, this is the great mystery of our faith. Um, God was manifest in the flesh. And this is, this is, uh, huge because you, you think about, um, you know, God becoming, uh, flesh. And so th that's, um, th that's, for, for anybody else, that would be impossible. And so, um, and that's not, uh, you know, God, uh, Jesus being born and becoming God, because that is impossible. It's, it's, it's God becoming flesh and becoming one of us. And that's the, the, the incarnation. So Jesus himself is more than just a man. Jesus is the only God man. And so, uh, we don't, um, 
not only see, do we just see this in his uh, in the incarnation, but concerning Christ, we also see this in his name. Um, in verse six, we read his name. His name will be called uh, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and his. Um, and, and now the, the name of Christ is more than a label along with these here. And so uh, the, the description of uh, it's a description of who he is. And so here in Isaiah 9, 6, um, the name of Christ, uh, the Lord is revealed as four sets of titles. And so, again, it's the the um, the wonderful the counselor. He's called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And so. These, uh, these titles, they designate his position as ruler. And then secondly, they describe um, his uh, position as, uh, as, as a, the kind of ruler. And then again, his, uh, again right here, he's a wonderful counselor. So first he's wonderful, that's his position. And then his type, he's a, he's a, he's a wonderful counselor. Um, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And that's the Jesus that became flesh for us. And that's who we're talking about tonight. Um, he is the first, uh, the first, he, he is uh, the wonderful counselor. And this uh, title of Christ, uh, he's called, uh, again, wonderful. The New King James Version puts a comma after the word wonderful, and they do it to distinguish the difference uh, from the descriptions that, that follow. So, uh, when you think of wonderful, how, what type of wonderful uh, God is, is is He? You know, um, what type of a wonderful counselor? So, when you look at the, the description of wonderful, you can see the uh, the uh, amazement. You'll find amazement. You'll find surprise. You'll find astonishment. You'll find awe and admiration, and it, it, it goes on. But the Hebrew dictionary, which is bigger. Uh, it has more words than our English one. Uh, the Hebrew word translates to wonder, uh, translated wonderful, um, carries the meaning to, uh, to separate, to distinguish. So if you find this word in your Bible, um, the, it's also translated marvelous, hidden, too high, too difficult, or even a miracle, which is what he was. And so the title wonderful carries the basic meaning of a unique and different, uh, of being unique and different. And that's why the English translation translates the, this word wonderful as extraordinary. So the point that we can wrap our hearts around uh, Christ is bigger and Christ is better than all of the things that he created and uh, some of the things not just some things but uh, all the some ones and so Christ um, is uh, th th there's no one like him and there's there's nothing like them there's there's no thing like him if you want to hyphenate that word so he's wonderful he's extraordinary he's amazing and um, if the thought of, and then I know in, in many senses, I, I feel like I'm doing a very poor job of expressing how wonderful he is. But if our thoughts, our concerns of, uh, of, of Jesus, if, if, he, if his wonder, if his wonderful um, doesn't fill our hearts, 
then uh, with with amazement and awe, then maybe we need to reevaluate our own view. And maybe it's too small. Maybe we're not considering the, the Jesus, the wonderful that He is. And so, uh, so Christ is called wonderful, and the wonder of Christ. Um, and, and so the wonder that we have of Christ is what ignites our worship. It 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 it, it propels our worship. It, it it pushes us to worship Him. So uh, again, just when we think of Jesus, we should be in awe. And we should be in amazement of what He did and uh, how He reduced Himself for us. And so um, not only do we see Him uh, called wonderful here, but uh, the second word is the wonderful counselor. Now, here uh, in context, the wonderful counselor is going to be one who who governs and guides his future. So he's our wonderful counselor. So um, in his kingdom here on earth, um, Isaiah uh, tells us in in two three that uh, he's talking about the future kingdom of Christ. He says that the people from many nations will come and say, "Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house of Jacob, Jacob's God." Uh, there he and this is talking about Jesus. He says he will teach us ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, and his word will go out from Jerusalem. And that's again the amazing, wonderful counselor part. And so, um, you think about that in the in that being the future Jesus, and and so this uh, future Jesus that we have here is going to be teaching. Bible studies, effectively, you know, but it will be coming from him, so it won't be from the Bible. So, um, the uh, and, and just imagine the things that we don't know, the things that he will teach us. So, uh, and, and again, that's the future. So, um, it, it, he's going to be the one who will be counseling us and guiding us. And so, not only do we need to think of him as our wonderful counselor in the future, we also uh, need to think of him, think of him as our wonderful counselor in the present. And uh, so he's not only the wonderful counselor who's going to govern and guide his kingdom with truth and wisdom, but um, but he's also the wonderful counselor now. He is um, he's our soul healer. He heals us. He heals those people who have broken hearts, who have um, who are feeling lost, people who are feeling desperate, people who um, you know just are, are depressed in life. And so right now there may be some someone here who feels depressed or lost or, or, um, or has their soul that's broken. And so um, this this um, this season, um, you know, many people would try and fix their broken souls with uh, with gifts and lights and um and, and just fill it with things and stuff. And so, um, again, you, that will be replete tonight and tomorrow. So, um, the truth is, each one of us um, is broken um, in one way or another. And so, we all need to uh, be at peace with God. Um, and so, uh, God the Father sent His Son, the Wonderful Counselor, so that in the present, we can have peace and we can uh, receive that that healing that he wants to give us. So uh, the Bible says that in uh, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And because Christ is the wonderful counselor, he is the one who shows us what God is like. And so 
as we consider and continue to ponder Jesus and his wonderful counselor of being God. In, in John 1.18, it says, uh, we read, No one has ever seen God but the unique one who is himself. God is near to the Father's heart, has revealed God to us. So, if you want to know what God is like, then you just look at Jesus. And so, um, you... Um, Without that, without looking at Jesus, our vision of God can get muddled and we can mangle what God is, our perception, if we don't focus on Christ. So um, Christ here is the, uh, we have him here as a wonderful counselor. And so, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay. No, I don't want to go too long. You know. <laughs> I'm running on, uh, I'm going to have to cut short. But, um the, uh, so, um, Christ, the wonderful counselor, shows us how to find rest for our souls. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come to me, all of, you are, <clears throat> all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle, and um, humble and gentle, and, and you will find rest in your, for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden, is, uh, the burden I give you is light. So, here is something that we all need to hear. If you're here tonight and you don't have that relationship, you don't know Jesus, then it's important. He's there. He he came. This is what Christmas is about. This is the whole reason um, for this for his incarnation and his coming to become one of us. So, um, the uh, our wonderful Counselor loves us all, and he died for us, and so. Um, he invites each and every one of us to enter into that relationship with him tonight. Um, there's, there's no reason to, to wait or to put it off. And that is the true gift of Christmas, is that he, he wants us to be free from the burden of our sins and guilt and shame in all the works-based things we do, religion, um, and trying to be good for God. So Jesus, um, who, who is King Jesus? He is the wonderful counselor, but he's also the mighty God. Jesus is the uh, the Messiah, is the El Gabor. Uh, he is the mighty God incarnate. So John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, we read in the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so um, Jesus is the Word, and so um, in, in verse 8 it says that um, He became flesh, and so uh, He dwelt among us, and He was the full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen His glory, which is the glory of the Father, the God, the Father's only Son. So um, now though Christ um, became uh, Christ became fully human, to to think of Jesus as less than uh, less than God again will lead us to wrong conclusions about who he is. Um, C.S. Lewis, the author of Mere Christianity, um, wrote about Jesus, um, who is God. He wrote this, I am here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. I don't accept uh, his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was a son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool, you can spit at him, kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord. But God does not... And God... <clears throat> 
and God, but not let us uh, come up with any patronizing nonsense about this being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. That means that all of us will be leaving this room, and I believe uh, you know, the majority, um, with the view that Jesus um, is, is anything. Uh, he's, he's nothing less but God. He, he is God. And so if you think of him anything less than that, that's going to lead you to a wrong conclusion about him. So Isaiah speaks of Christ being a God, but he refers to him as a mighty God. And that means he's strong and he's powerful, a, a powerful God who can and will bear the weight of the government on his shoulders, as the word says. Um, and, and this is talking about his future kingdom. And uh, he demonstrated the, the strength, um, you know, how strong do you got to be for that? Because, you know, he's, he demonstrated his power in creation. Uh, he uh, performed miracles. And um, even in his own resurrection, he demonstrated that power. So, um, we the, um, the other the, the power that we see God demonstrated uh, um, almost uh, all the time around us is when God rescues spiritually dead people and He performs that miracle in life and He takes someone who's um, who's dead and and blind and He, he transformed them into spiritually alive people and they were redeemed and they're justified and that is the power of God and so. When you look at that, um, you know, how, how much power do you need? Zephaniah tells us, uh, and Isaiah 63.1, Zephaniah 3.17, it says, declares that the mighty God is mighty to save. So salvation is one of the clearest ways and places where we see the power of Christ right before our eyes. We can see it. So not only is Jesus the wonderful counselor, but he's also the mighty God. And we also see here that he's the everlasting father. And this is a as a title this title is an idiom and it's used to describe describe the messiah's relationship to to time so it's not a relationship to god the father because there's no confusion in the trinity you got god the father god the son and the holy spirit but when it says here that he is um the everlasting father it's in relationship to time and so and, and not in relationship to the trinity so um and the best way to understand it is that Christ is the source of eternity. Because again, there's no confusion. Um, the God the Father and God the Son are two different persons. But in relationship with Christ, uh, He is the source of eternity. So Psalms 90 tells us in verse 2 that uh, He is from everlasting to everlasting. Micah 5 2 tells us one of the prophecies about Jesus. Micah declares, But you, Bethlehem, uh, Ephraim, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall come forth the one to be ruler in Israel. And so, um, when you look at the description of Jesus, the, uh, whose goings forth from are from old, going forth from old and from everlasting. So, he came from everlasting because he is everlasting. And so um, he is the source of time and he will, he will bring us eternal life. And so when we talk about again, or not again, but when we talk about eternal life, we're, we're talking about the, uh, the, the quantity of life because eternal life is forever. Once you receive it and you have it, then it's forever. We have quantity of life. But um, eternal life... Um, 
it, it, it's it's more than just it, it, uh, forever life. It's um, it's it's also the the quality of life. So we have the quantity of life in our eternal life, but the quality. Um, this um, John Jesus said in John seven thir- uh, three. Now this is eternal life that they know uh, you, the only God, true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Christ. Description of eternal life is a real and meaningful forever relationship with God. And that's when we uh, talk about, uh, again, salvation. And salvation is, is more than uh, just being saved from hell. It's bigger than, than, uh, being saved from something, but you're being saved for something. We're being saved for eternal life, for a forever life with God. Again, going back, I know it seems like I almost feel like I'm running down a rabbit trail, but you come back and that's what Christ incarnate is about. That's the gift. That's the true Christ of Christmas. It is a gift from God. God came in the form of a man. He became flesh so that we can have a relationship with him. And so, and we're not being saved from hell, from fear, or from any of that, but we're being saved and uh, to a forever life. We have eternal life. It's for the future. And so not being saved from something, but being saved to something. And so um, Christ himself is the real source of eternal life. And that's why John 5, uh, 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says that God is, uh, God is testified in that he's given us eternal life. This life is in his son, Whoever has the Son has, li- um, has life. And whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Again, the question is, is we should ask ourselves and always uh, be introspective in these. So now is, do I have the Son? Am I saved? Do I have that forever life? And so, um, the, uh, and it's not just, again, the quantity, but it's the quality of life, which, again, we can have it now. And it's all about today, Christmas. God came um, to save us. So um, we, uh, I, I know I'm, I'm running short, but, uh, or run, rather running long, but, uh, you know, I, you know, this whole, the, the Christmas message, um, again, I can, uh, obviously my, my speech isn't eloquent and, uh, you know, I, I don't speak with the tongues of angels. And so, um, but the point is, is Jesus came and we have so many, uh, truths, um, the Old Testament testifies. And again, we could, I could have read the, you know, Luke 2 and just gone over the story and had it mean, uh, same thing it did last year, or it could have just gone through our ears. But I think you paid attention <laughs> because the, uh, I know you, some of you feel you've seen me struggle. And truthfully, that's, um, that's almost a picture of somebody trying to do things on their own. And so, um, when you allow God into your life and allow Him to flow and allow Him to be used by Him, then, um, His works are, are, um, are glorious and He gets the glory. And there's no one, there's no one else can, can, can take that because once we, um, realize what God has done for us, how holy and awesome and wonder, the wonderful counselor, the mighty father, uh, I mean, everything we can't, uh, we can't again, uh, help, but be in awe 
of who he is. And so um, I know I'm, I'm running, uh, again, long. And so I think we're going to go ahead and close here. I do have a couple more pages. But um, what I, what I want to, sh- again, in closing, just knowing that from the present, from the past, present, and the future, Jesus is in all of it again. And, and it, all, it had to start with God becoming flesh. Him incar- being, uh, again, the doctrine of incarnation. And then us allowing us the opportunity to know Him and also to know the future state. But we can't have the future if we didn't have the past. And the present is now. Is Do you know Jesus now? Have you, Do you have the, a personal relationship with Him? And uh, again, because that's the true message. That's what it's all about. Without today, the incarnation, we wouldn't have anything else. So um, we'd still be under the system of sacrifice. So uh, let's go ahead and go before the Lord and, and let's, let's go in prayer. Father God, we come before you and we just thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that 